Good morning. I would like to share with you a passage that I remember from when I was in college and I had a hard time figuring it out. Uh, turn to Psalm 37, please. Psalm 37. So it, it probably took me a couple of years, maybe several years after college, after I heard this in college, you know, people would preach on it and I'd kind of scratch my head and, and it took me a while and then I, I came across another passage that explains it, but we're going to start with Psalm 37, 1 through 7. <clears throat> the beautiful sound of Bible pages turning. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Here it is. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. That's judgment in a good sense. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for these students. I thank you for BCM and, and BTS. I just, uh, I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm so glad you led uh, my family here. Now bless the word of God and, and teach uh, your precious students something good through this message, through the word of God in it. And fill me with your Holy Spirit for that purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. So, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I remember hearing someone in chapel preach about this and saying, oh, that's, that's really great, you know. All I have to do is delight myself in the Lord, and I can have whatever I want. <laughs> well, you're laughing. That's not how it works, right? I mean, you see that right away. And it took, took me a little time, but I finally stopped and said, no, well, that doesn't sound right. So if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me a new car? No, that, that's not going to work. <laughs> I had enough spiritual discernment to see I, I was wrong about what I was thinking. If I just delight myself in God, I can have whatever I want. That's not how it works. And uh, eventually, I read another passage and figured out, oh, aha. Okay, turn to Isaiah. And we're going to come back to both of these, but turn to Isaiah chapter 58 pretty sure that's the passage. I've got it here in my notes. Okay, 58. All right. And we're going to read 1 and 2 and then 13 and 14, and we're going to come back to these. Okay, 1 and 2 says, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So this is what God is saying to Isaiah. Yet they seek, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, supposedly, now, this is a, this is a light, delight that's false. Delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask me of the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. And if we were to read that whole passage, you would see, well, this is all fake. When God actually tells them something to do, they don't do it. But now look at, and here's the passage that, that clued me in as to what Psalm 37 means. Verses 13 and 14. If thou, shalt, if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure... On my holy day, and call the Sabbath the delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. 
So one day in my personal devotions, I, was, I read this passage, and I connected it to Psalm 37. Aha! Here's how you delight yourself in the Lord. You just leave all your own words, your own thoughts, your own ministry, your own everything. You leave it all behind. And just make sure it's, well, 0-100. All of God. Now, um, this is, this is uh, a heap, this word delight is a Hebrew word, anag, which uh, one, a Brown Driver Briggs lexicon says, to be happy about, to take exquisite delight. So it's not just, okay, I'm going to follow God. It's, yes, I get to follow God. You see the difference? Okay. Uh, another uh, lexicon, the holiday lexicon says, take great delight in. So there is a step beyond I surrender all. I see a step here beyond I surrender all. If I were to ask probably every single one of you, if not at least almost all of you have at some point in your life surrendered your will to God and said, I'll do anything you want me to. With me, it was when I was 16, revival meetings. Uh, Dr. Bud Lyle's preaching, a wonderful man of God. He's in heaven now. Um, and uh, he, he, he asked us young people to, to commit our lives to Christ. He preached on uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And I, and I went forward. Four of us went forward. I don't know what ever happened to the other four, but I took that as I have given God my word. I told God I'm going to follow him Absolutely, I'm going to give myself to God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but ye be transformed, that you may, may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I gave myself to God, and I said, okay, that's great. I did that. Okay? This is more than that. This is take absolute delight. Wherever God puts you, whatever God has you to do, that's fabulous. John Rice fell in love with a young lady named Lois Cook. Think about that. When they got married, she became Lois Cook Rice. <laughs> so anyway, he fell in love with her in college. And in one class where she was, but he was not, the teacher said, if any young lady does not want to marry a preacher, she better stay away from John R. Rice. It took years after that for John R. Rice to figure out he was called to preach, but everyone could see it in him. Well, he fell in love with her, and he courted her, and, and here's what he did for her, okay? She was actually, she was, believe it or not, she was a kind of a spoiled rich kid. Her parents were well-off, well-known family in Texas. She was kind of a spoiled rich kid, and he was just a poor country boy. He rode a cow pony, pony to, to uh, college, and he milked the cows to make, his, to make his way through college. But he wrote this in, in one of his books. He said, she liked candy, not a little bag of gumdrops nor a five-cent bar. This was a long time ago, 1920s. Her, no, her favorite was King's Nut Trio. It came in golden three-decked boxes, Brazil nuts and almonds and pecans dipped in the richest chocolate. And it cost me one dollar and a half per pound. It's probably about fifteen dollars nowadays. Okay, but bless her dear heart, she got her candy many of the time, and I felt that if she would but love me, she could, ha she might have all that my labor and planning and devotion could provide. He delighted in her. He was, he'd give anything to her, anything to make this girl his. He courted her with that kind of a heart, and they had that kind of a marriage. Even though, frankly, he was gone more than he was at home 
And she was so sweet and gracious about that. Uh, but they had a, a wonderful marriage. I saw it uh, from the inside, of course, being, being a grandson, but I also lived with him. He delighted in her. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. Wherever God puts you, whatever God does with you, think of that as the most fabulous thing that could possibly happen to you. Then you're delighting yourself in the Lord. So let's look, first of all, how do you do that? Let's take some steps, some action steps. First of all, delight in God's Word. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. When I was a boy, my mother made me memorize this, and I loved it. You probably could quote it. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Do you actually delight in the Bible? Or do you go to a Bible class and, okay, i got to make an A on this one. No, no, you should be in that Bible class saying, this is great. I get to spend hours today on the Bible. That's what your attitude should be. 119, Psalm 119, over and over, it uses this word delight. It's a different Hebrew word, I believe. I didn't check all of these, but Psalm 119, and we've got a bunch of verses in Psalm 119 about delighting in God's word. Verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 24, thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Verse 47, and I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse 70, Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. Verse 77, let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy thy law is my delight. And verse 174, I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Is this book your delight? Is it just absolutely wonderful to you? Or is it just, well, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be as a Christian. I guess I'm supposed to like the Bible, so I'll read it today. Yep, pastor said they have that hour with God, so I'll do that again. Let me see, what's my duty to read today? And you look on the chart and, and you go through the motions. I find myself doing that sometimes even now. I'll, I'll read like 10 verses and stop and say, wait a minute, did I actually read that? What was I thinking of? I was thinking of something else when I read it. How many, have you had that before? Yeah, if you, if you didn't nod your head yes, uh, talk to the pastor later, because <laughs> it happens to all of us. But Job said that thy word, in Job 23, 12, thy word is more than my necessary food. Okay, you wake up in the morning, you don't have enough time for breakfast and your personal devotions both. Which do you choose? Huh? Job said, I'll I'll choose God's Word every time. Breakfast or God's Word? No problem, no choice. God's Word. Okay? That's how important it was to God. Would you rather study the Bible than even read anything else? Hmm? 
would you, I'm, I'm saying study, I mean solid study, I mean taking time, you've got an extra hour that you don't have to study anything, anything else, and you're going, oh yeah, right. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> well, it might, you know, stick around, maybe, maybe when you be, by the time you become a senior, you'll have an extra hour once in a while, and just take that time and outline a book of the Bible. Just got a half hour, okay, Philemon. You can do that in a half hour, right? <laughs> Second John, third John, just do an outline of it, you know? Then you've got it for the future. Someday you can teach that in Sunday school, right? Uh, you know? I love to do word studies. Man, we've got such awesome software nowadays. I just I use an old piece of software called Power Bible C D and and but it's got an awesome search engine on it. I can click on I can click on interlinear and it'll bring up all the strongs numbers. I can click on one of those and do a quick search every single time that word is used in the newer Old Testament or that, that original language, Hebrew or Greek word. And it's just really quick, and then I go to another piece of software to look up the lexicons and so forth. Um, and I love to do those word studies. I've got dozens and dozens of lit word lists in my, on my computer, you know, that I've, I've, I've gone through those and maybe even divided them up. This is about such and such, and these, these verses are about such and such. And, and it's, it's great. If you've never done that, you've got to do it. You've got to try it. It's, it's how you delight in the Word of God. It's wonderful. It's precious. It's a great time, and you don't even have to do it. Things are easier if you don't have to, right? <laughs> you know, uh, Bible study is easier when you, if you don't have to. If you really love God's word, you'll do this. You'll just you'll set time apart, and, and you'll say, um, uh, "Okay, this is my time for studying the Bible." I, uh, some people don't delight in God's word. Some people hate God's word. Isaiah chapter thirty. Turn to Isaiah thirty. There's that beautiful sound again, Bible pages turning. Isaiah 30, verses 12 through 15. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken to pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it assured to take fire from the earth hearth, or to take water with all out of the pit. So some people just hate God's word. There are a lot of people out there like that. Um, atheists hate God's word. Why do atheists fight so hard against God if they don't believe he exists? Because deep down inside they know he exists and they hate him. And they hate God's word. Okay, uh, Jeremiah 6.10. Look at Jeremiah 6.10. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. There are people out there that are actually saved that don't take time to read the Bible because they don't delight in it. We should delight in the Bible. We should love it. Some of you have heard, my, probably most of you by now, I just, I love the story. By the way, when you win someone to Christ, it's just... You should delight in that. You're, you should have, I hope you have a memory of folks you've, you've led to Christ in the past that just are precious to you and you just think about them occasionally. 
And with me, maybe the, the most exciting one is Uzuki, who was the, the uh, Yakuza gangster. The wickedest man I ever knew, evil, sold drugs, scammed people. He told me about one scam he did. He got $50,000 out of it. I said, what'd you do with all that money? He said, we partied. That's all they want to do, get drunk and do immorality. But God got a hold of him. And every, for, for a long time, I don't remember how many months, but at least a year, maybe two or three years, I'd go every, every day or every Wednesday afternoon to his uh, little one-room apartment. He'd lost everything because of his sin, immorality. His wife had divorced him. And uh, um, he had gotten hepatitis and had to have uh, treatment for that. So he couldn't, had a little tofu company, couldn't run that anymore. And uh, um, everything had fallen apart for him. But I, I went to his apartment this one time. I, I just remember it distinctly. So we'd sit on the floor. That's what you do in a traditional Japanese place. Um, a lot of Japanese homes now have a table where you sit like Americans do, sit at a chair, on a chair at a table. But Usuki just had this very simple one-room apartment. You'd go in the front in a, in a Japanese apartment. It's what's called the Genkan, okay, where you take your shoes off. If you ever wonder why I take my shoes off in church, that's why, okay. And I remember sitting there and, and Usuki pointing over to his right, to my left. I'm sitting here. He points over there, and I look over there, and there's, there's a teddy bear, okay, and this big, tough gangster said, I, I take that teddy bear to bed with me every night. Really? Okay. And next to it was his Bible. And I said, I take, and he said, I take my Bible to bed with me every night. He slept with his Bible. He came to love the Word of God. And that's what brought him to salvation. He didn't understand it. He couldn't exegete it. But he bought a Bible and he'd read it and it was precious to him. So love the Word of God. Are you delighting in God's Word? Secondly, delight in God's ways. Isaiah 58, 1 and 2. Okay. Isaiah 58, 1 and 2. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness... And forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask, to go, ask of me the, ordinance of the uh, ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Now, this is kind of fake here. They, they, they don't obey God, but they, they, they're happy for their religion, right? But the question is, do you love God's word? And then do you love God's ways? So look, at, look again at verses... Um, 13 and 14, the passage, this is the passage that got me to understand what it means. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath of delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So delight in his ways. Whatever God's will is for you, you should think that's the most fantastic thing that could ever happen to you. Took me a while. We got, I went to the mission field because I was called. God called me. I'm going to go. Hallelujah. But I eventually came to think it's the absolute best thing in the world to be a missionary. And then God brought us here, and I wasn't a missionary any longer. Now I think it's the absolute best thing in the world to be a college, Bible college professor. I love it. <laughs> rather be here teaching you guys than anywhere else in the entire world. I love it. I brought a book, okay? Oh, by the way, God's ways are perfect, that you may know what is the good and acceptable and 
perfect will of God. But I brought a book, a John Rice book, and he, he had these, he had the habit of, uh, or the, the gift for making unusual titles. And the, the, this is a book of sermons, but the title is, Is God a Dirty Bully? Okay, and you got a picture on there of the front, I'm sure pastors have seen this, of this great big guy with a club with spikes coming out of it, and there's an old man and an old woman and a little girl, and he's going to clobber him with that club because he's a dirty bully. Now, you say, what in the world? Well, he got that from a liberal named G. Gromley, uh, G. Bromley Oxnum, and in one of his books, he says, he quotes with approval the story of a boy who heard preaching the Word of God. Here's what he said, here's what Oxnum said. Hugh Walpole in Winter's Moon tells of a father and son at church. The aged rector had read from the Old Testament, and the boy learned of the terrible God who sent plagues upon the people and created fiery serpents to assault them. That night when the father passed the boy's bedroom, the boy called him, put his arm around his father's neck, and drawing him close said, Father, you hate Jehovah, so do I. I loathe him, dirty bully. We have long since rejected a conception of the reconciliation associated historically with the idea of a deity that is loathsome. God, for us, cannot be thought of as an angry, awful, avenging being who, because of Adam's sin, must have his Shylockian pound of flesh. And I'm going to stop there, but he endorsed the idea that the God of the Old Testament is a dirty bully, picks on people and harms people without any reason. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, if you think the God of the Old Testament is a dirty bully, don't read the book of Revelation. Because he, ha- he destroys one-third of the population of mankind one time. It's, and the whole book of Revelation is God's judgment and God's righteous judgment. God has every right to, jo- to, to judge the earth and the wickedness of the earth. Okay? But we should delight in God's ways. Your own ways will only hold you back. Psalm 32, 8 and 9. If you want to live your own life, that'll only hold you back. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with thine eye. God's promise. He will guide you. He's not going to tell you what you need to do next year. He's going to tell you what you need to do right now. He'll guide you right now. If you feel called to be a missionary, um, that's great. You're not there yet, right? You need to find out his way for you right now. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto it, unto thee. Okay? So verse 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Why? Because God has a will for you. Now, some of you, not meaning to, but you kind of think like this liberal that God is a dirty bully. You wouldn't describe it that way, but here's what you think. You think God is up in heaven, and God is looking down at you and saying, I'm going to call that person to be a missionary, because they'll be miserable then. Yeah. And tell you what, I'm, yeah, I'm going to make you marry an ugly girl. Yeah. You're going to be unhappy your whole married life. You're going to see her at breakfast, and, and you're going to think every time, oh, is she ugly? Now, she may be ugly to everyone else, but guys, whoever God leads you to marry marry is going to be beautiful to you, okay? You get the truth there? That's an absolute truth, okay? The Bible doesn't say so specifically, but it's true, (laughs) okay? But that's kind of what you think God is. God is up there looking for ways to make you suffer. Nothing could be further from the truth, 
If God made you to be a missionary, you will not be happy doing anything else. You want happiness? Do what God says to do. And you'll delight. It's, it'll be awesome. It'll be wonderful. Now, I, I won't say there were no hard times in Japan. Uh, I, I mean, I could tell you some stories. Um, there were hard times where we had to just trust God or we had nothing. But it was still awesome. I can look back at those times and use them as sermon illustrations. <laughs> Never thought that when they happened. But it's, it's great to serve the Lord. My, my father's best sermon was, it pays to serve Jesus. It not, not only pays to serve Jesus, it's absolutely wonderful to serve Jesus. I feel so sorry for people that turn down the call of God in their life. I talked recently on the telephone to a, a man that I went to college with. And as I talked to him, I remembered what he did. He stole the wife of his best friend and married her. He was called to preach. And he stole the wife of his best friend and married her, and he's still married to her. He never preached, obviously. But he told me on the phone, and it was good to talk to him again. You know, he, he still thought, he's, he is following, I say, and I still, I mean, there's a big gap where he didn't follow the Lord. He is following the Lord. He said, well, I've never had, I don't have anything in the church with a title, but I'm kind of the assistant youth director. So he does help out in the church and, you know, has come to where I'm sure he sees the folly of his youth. I feel so sorry for someone like that that turns their back on God's will. Because God's will is, is designed to, for, for what you are designed for. You are designed to do what God made you for. I never knew I had any talent in language until I went to Japan, became a missionary, went to two years of Japanese language school, and absolutely loved it. Two best years of my life. Why? Because I did what God said to. And when I did what God said to, it was great. It was fun. Okay? So God looks down from heaven, longing to show you his perfect will. Psalm 30, verses 10 and 11. Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me, O Lord. Thou hast turned from me my mourning into dancing. Thou hast put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Why? I did what you said and it was wonderful. Well, to, um, well Psalm, 20, Psalm 4, 26 and 27. Uh, Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. That's keep, keep your eyes right on the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him. And when you do that, you'll, you'll find out it's, it's great. But number three, delight in Jesus himself. Psalm 22, 7 through 9. Psalm 22, 7 through 9. Did you get the impression that David delighted in God? We're reading a whole lot of verses from David. That's why God called David a man after God's own heart. Psalm 22, 7 through 9. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. Uh, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lips saying, they shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him, that, let him deliver him saying he delighted in him. He delighted in him. So everyone around David knew this is a guy that delights in God. 
And then they mocked him and made fun of him. Yeah, look what happened to you. Delight in God, will you? Sure. Man, you read some of the Old Testament prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, and what God had them do, and you say, oh, man, I'm glad that's not God's will for me. Lying on, on my side for, I, what was it, I, I forget the details, for a year or whatever, and making a little city and everything, model city, and everyone coming along. So what in the world is he doing now? You know, That prophet, he's up to it again, doing something crazy. Uh, but it's great. But are you delighting in the Lord himself? Do you delight, delight in telling people about your Lord, or is it a chore? So Sunday, when we did the distribution what were your emotions about it? I, I went out with, uh, I, won't, I won't tell you his last name because, you know, I don't want to embarrass him, but I went out with a guy named Anders. <laughs> okay, and uh, we had a driving route, and, and our right front window doesn't work right now. So we're going to try and get fixed, get fixed for the next time we do this. But anyway, so Anders sat in the back, and that, that window was able to roll down. So we did a driving route, and, and you know, and uh, I won't tell you how many times I hit a mailbox. Well, unless you think it was more, it was just one, just once, okay? Uh, it just barely scraped it a little bit, so don't, don't get all worried that, you know. Anyway, so it was supposed to be a, an area with 500, okay, 500. And we're getting, and I had, I had um, play practice at 4 o'clock. Okay, we had uh, Christmas carol practice at 4 o'clock. So I said to Anders, you know, we've got to be back by 4, you know, so hopefully we can, you know, by 20 till, get home at 20 till or whatever. And so we're, we, we got out, I don't know, 350, close to 400, and it's getting, it's like 20 till, you know, and, and, uh, and Anders, and I said, you know, I, I probably ought to go back pretty soon. And, well, there's just three more streets. I think we can get this one. Okay, so we got that one, and like it's quarter till, and, and uh, well, Anders, I probably should go back pretty soon. Well, you know, this, is, this street, it's a short one, you know, and it's only five minutes from here back to the church, so we can do this. Okay, we'll do that one too. We did that one too, and it's 10 till, and <laughs> I didn't even ask the third time. I was, okay, let's do this last street, and we did the last street, and uh, we got out 470. That's the first time I've ever completed a map. And we did it. We got off 470. Couldn't stop the man. You know, he just was delighting. And we had a great time of conversation, fellowship, talking about missions and Bible translation and whatnot. It was just a really great, great time of fellowship out there serving God and pointing people to where they can find out about Jesus. Is that delightful to you? Okay. And I, I'm sure all of us, almost all of us, uh, there's always the exception, I know, but most of us at least would, you know, when it comes time to go out soul winning, we got to go, okay, Lord, help me. <laughs> Give me a right attitude here. Okay, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I, I admit that, you know, it happens to me. But you get out there and then God gives you delight, right? God brings the delight. Our, uh, in Japan one day, um, uh, our friends, our, our co-workers across town said, uh, um, let's, let's have a meal together. Come over to our house and we'll have a meal together. So we went over to their house and, and we ate dinner. And, and uh, after the dinner, they said, we want to show you a video. So we, we sat down on, on their uh, chairs and watched a video and, and didn't know, what, you know what's going on here. It's, it's a video of the airport, our local airport. 
and we're watching, and it's, you're outside the airport, okay? Or you're out, outside where the airplanes let off the people and, and you know, they come through there with, and get their luggage checked. And we're, sit, we're watching this video, and, and then through the gate comes someone familiar, my wife's sister and his wife. And we looked at that. What's going on here? What? And then we heard a voice behind us, and we turned around, and there they were, right there. We didn't, they kept it totally secret from us. They came to visit us in Japan. And my, have you heard his jaw dropped? My jaw actually totally dropped of its own accord, and I stood there like, Absolutely no comprehension of what was going on. That it's a literal thing. It's not just figurative. Your jaw, actually, in a case like that, when you're absolutely and completely surprised, your jaw drops. It really does. And you don't have any control over it. And you just stand there looking like a dummy. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. Greek students, can I get an amen on that? Non-Greek students, an amen? Amen. Jesus is coming back. Let's tell everyone about him. Let's delight in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're not a bully. You're so gracious and loving. You allow us to serve you. You give us the blessings of seeing people saved. And and we can love your word and there's so much good in it. We can study it and read it and never get to the end of it. Lord, help us to delight in you, delight in your word, delight in your son, Jesus Christ, delight in your ways, the plan that you have for our life. With heads bowed, let me ask, has your heart been touched and you thought, listening, yeah, I need to get there. I'm not quite there yet. I want to delight in God. Will you raise your hand if you're like that? Okay, many of us. Father in heaven, help these students to do so. Give them that deep delight in you and your word and your plan for them and your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.